We really want to come to your word with an attitude of uh, fear and trembling, Lord, that these are your your words. This is your will. And Lord, uh, we're not really interested in anything else than, than uh, pleasing you. That's our highest goal in life. Lord, we know one day we'll stand before you and, and uh, give an account for our lives. And we want to hear, well done. You, you um, held on to my word. Listen to me. Uh, enter into the joy of the Lord. And Lord, if we need to make course corrections, which of course we, we all do every day, Lord, that you would show us that this morning. Speak to each heart. Lord, we believe that you still speak. You said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. It's a normal thing for a sheep to, to recognize the voice of their master. And so, Lord, we just want to have hearts to hear. As we sang this morning, it's, it's in the waiting, just that in, in quietness and rest, Lord, is we hear your voice, that still small voice, in your word, by your spirit. And we just commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Romans 13, but it's like we have a little extra time this morning. So I want to I wanna, um, actually do a quick review of a couple passages in Romans. Uh, we're, we're going through the book of Romans. We're calling it the Romans Revolution, where we're challenging every person to really go deep in, into the book of Romans because it will revolutionize your life. I, I totally believe that. And it's important that, that we know what's in this book. We know what's in the New Testament. Uh, we know what's in the Gospels, but we, we really understand what's in the book of Romans because it's really the application of the cross of Christ. We know he died for us. We know he rose again. And we as Christians have believed on him for our, our salvation. But much of Romans is, is really even beyond that. It's about how you walk with God every day, how you can have victory over sin, uh, how you can have the joy of the Lord. We sang about that this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Because we live in a world with darkness. We, we're battling our flesh. The devil's coming against us. We have a lot of opposition. And if we do not know how to walk by faith and, and apply our faith to the word of God that, that is really written on our heart, if we don't do that, we're going to be defeated. We just are. So I think it's a calling for us as a church to go, to go deep. Remember, um, in Hebrews, where Paul kind of rebuked the Hebrew church, he said, "You know, y'all should be eating meat by now, but you're 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 like babies. I I can't. You can't handle it, man. You can't handle the truth that I really want to give you. It'd be like trying to give a a baby a, a chunk of meat, and they're you know choking on it. They don't. They can't digest it. They can't handle it. And so the calling is." Hey, no, you, you, there's a responsibility to move deeper. You can't just say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. I don't really read it. It's too hard. Well, you know, you need to dig. 
it's like digging for treasure, right? You, it's not, you're going to break a sweat, right? If you're digging for treasure. <laughs> and so it's the same principle with the word of God that we want to go deep. And what's really helpful to me is what we've been doing as we've been going through Romans, challenging everybody, read that same chapter every day for the week. By the end of the week, you're going to be pretty familiar with, with the chapter, right? And, and be praying, be asking God to speak to you. So what I started to do is, is go back through Romans again. I, I just, I, I need to be meditating on it. And I'm, I'm kind of going back through Romans now, just in my, you know, private study time, and really trying to pull out key verses that, that kind of bring the, the truth that God is trying to communicate to us. It kind of brings it to a head. You know what I'm saying? Those key scriptures, and then maybe try to memorize it. So the one I wanted to quickly go over this morning uh, is Romans 1.16, before we get into our normal study of Romans 13, okay? And so I'm going to run through this fairly quickly. But Romans 1.16, and, and I think I do have the scripture. Oh, there you go. You guys are way ahead of me. So Romans 1.16 is kind of an introductory into the whole book of Romans where Paul's going to be going. And he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So couple things I've been meditating on in, in this passage that, that bring tremendous help and power in my life is, is, first of all, where Paul starts out saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What does gospel mean? Good news. So my relationship with Christ is good news. Sometimes we can get in this kind of funk and we think, oh, man, life's so hard. God's mad at me. I'm messing up all the time. And we, we're, we're, we're thinking wrongly about our relationship with God. We always want to start on that basis. Wait a minute. My, my relationship is to be Christ-focused, first of all. It's the gospel of Christ, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Came to live a perfect life. The eternal Son of God died on a cross, was buried, rose again the third day, ascended to heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the good news of Christ. So I want my faith to be focused there. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that good, the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Or another way to read that, for the good news of Christ is the power of God to salvation. So how do I have power with God? Do you, do you need power in your life? Do you need power with God? Man, we need power. We, like I mentioned earlier, we got all these forces coming against us. We got our, our flesh, which, you know, to me seems to be the biggest issue. You know, the devil who kind of piles on after my flesh has gone in the wrong direction. And then the world is just, you know, Jesus said, they will hate you for, for my account. I need the power of God in, in my life to overcome those forces. And how do I get that power in my life? The power of God's salvation. Well, it says right there, it's to everyone who believes. 
So I might look at my life and say, oh, if I only, you know, could attain to this level of holiness before God, then I would have the power of God. I, I used to think that way. I did. And, and I was influenced, I think, by some bad teaching, kind of a mix of law and grace in the church that I went to many years ago. And much teaching is like that. You know, um, I remember somebody telling me once, uh, the Holy Spirit only fills holy people. And I was like, I thought in my mind, well, I don't really want to admit to him I'm unholy, but um, that excludes me from being, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. What a massive misunderstanding of God's grace. Of course we're not holy. So we, you know, I'm not saying we just, we're sloppy and we don't care about sinning. We're just, even in our best efforts, we fall short. But I can still have the power of God because I'm believing in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's where my focus is. You know, this morning, as I was sitting there this morning, I just, you know, you sometimes feel that attack from the enemy. And I just started meditating on the on the verse in um I think it's Romans 3 where it says, uh, uh, for now the righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and upon all those who believe. For though there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I just began to just say, Lord, you know, the righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I need your righteousness in my life. I can't fight the devil in my own strength. I need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I'm receiving from you, Lord, right now by faith, the very righteousness of of God through Jesus Christ, through the cross. Isn't that good news? I don't have to generate my own righteousness. I can't stand up against the devil. I can't stand up against sin, but I can... I can sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I believe your cross has given me access to the very righteousness and power of God. And that's my only, only reason I could have that kind of life and power because I'm unholy in myself. So I'm, I'm putting all of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for heaven and eternal life, but for right now, the righteousness I need to live this Christian life. You know, you ever heard of, you know, pastors or who Christians, they like, they burn out. Oh, I burnt out. I, I can't do it anymore. Well, I wonder, you know, are you receiving the righteousness of God or are you trying to do this on your own? Man, I'd burn out in five minutes if I was relying on my own righteousness. But honestly, I'm, I'm kind of in and out of it. I'm, I'm learning still to walk in the righteousness of Christ. And because and, you have to actively put faith in him and just say, Lord, this is my basis for power with you. This is my basis for righteousness with you. And, uh, and I'm just now receiving your power through faith in Jesus Christ. So it says the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes you have to have faith and a faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So it says for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So he's saying for the religious person, the Jew or the Greek who is who's not really so much religious, you both can qualify for this beautiful relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then verse 17, for in it or in the good news of Christ, 
the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see that? It's not a one-time thing. You talk to somebody, well, are you a Christian? Yeah, I accepted Jesus when I was a little kid. Well, what's going on with you now? You know, are you walking by faith now? Are you serving God? Are you walking in his power? Are you walking in his will? Are you seeking the Lord? And they're like, well, no, I just, you know, I'm just kind of doing my own thing, but I believe I'm saved because I prayed the prayer, you know, one day. It's like, that's not the Christian life, man. You're, you're supposed to go from faith to faith to faith to faith, and you're supposed to live by faith, just like you live by oxygen, man. You've got to breathe it every minute, every second. You have to breathe in the righteousness of Christ by faith, by faith. So this is, this is good news because, again, I don't have to try to generate power and righteousness in my in myself man that that just makes me relax and like whoo man that's a lot of pressure if you're trying to do any of it yourself but when you get you know what do they say you get under the spout where the glory comes out it's like that that doesn't mean i'm holier it just means i'm smart enough to get under the spout well this is where the glory is being poured out under the cross yeah Okay, you know, you took all my sins. You wanted to do that for me, Lord. You love me that much. I want to take full advantage of that. I just want to receive life from the Father, but it always comes through the cross. My faith has to be connecting to him. And this is the good news. And that's what the book of Romans just expands on. We got to know this stuff. And so you go into the rest of Romans, and Paul just goes deeper and deeper into this, telling us how we died with him, we rose with him, we have power and victory available to us. And you don't have to be a theologian to, to understand. You just have to under, you know, meditate on some of these simple verses and let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal these truths to you. So, Lord, we do pray that we could understand the depths of these truths. We know we can't in the natural man, Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals these truths to us. I pray for each one of us here. We have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. We yield our mind to the spirit to teach us the things of Christ, teach us what it means to walk in the power of God. That's a free gift for anyone who's willing to just come to the cross daily. Teach us this, Lord. Teach us to walk in that righteousness. Just You said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. He said, any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Lord, that you are the source of that life and righteousness, not only forgiveness, but power to overcome. So Lord, teach us these truths. Now, Lord, as we get into Romans 13, that you would just uh, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 13 let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister to an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So you have to, of course, think of this in the historical context, right? Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago when Rome was ruling the world, right, with, with um, an iron fist, really. And the question is, what is this new Christianity thing happening? I mean, it's, it's these great revivals are breaking out. These thousands of people are getting saved. Is this like a, a, a re- political revolution? You know, and this is what Paul's kind of addressing here is basically, you know, explaining to the, the Roman church what their role is under the Roman government. But also it's a message to the Roman government that we're not a threat to you. <laughs> We're not a political movement. We're a spiritual movement. And so this was important. As, as Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Of course, that's when he was, he was talking to Pilate. And Pilate was trying to understand who Jesus was. And, yeah, Jesus could have called for a legion of angels to come and fight for him. So the message that Paul's given here, I think, to the Roman government is, look, the the Christians, we're not the troublemakers. We're going to be law-abiding in terms of kind of the normal laws of the day, right? Now, there's going to be exceptions, right? We're going to talk about that. But for the most part, a Christian should be law-abiding, right? Now, the Jews, that was different, right? Because they were looking for a political Messiah, and they still are. And so Paul had to really uh, clear this up. Uh, We know, like Barabbas, right? He was a political uh, person who was trying to overthrow the Roman government. Paul's saying, no, the Christians aren't about that. Jesus is saying, that's not what we're here for. The kingdom is not of this world. So ultimately, as believers, we're looking for an eternal kingdom. We're looking for Jesus Christ to come back and set up his kingdom here on the earth, right? That's what we're excited about. That's what we really have our eye on, the eternal things. And we're we're trying to warn people of that, right? That's our message. We're trying to tell people, hey, the um, like John the Baptist, uh, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make your path straight. Who warned you of the wrath to come? There is wrath coming. There's judgment coming to this world. And that's, that is really our duty, our calling as Christians, not to change so much the political scene here and Again, well, there's exceptions to that. We'll talk about that. But our main goal is to win people to Jesus Christ, is, is evangelism, and that they're ready for the eternal kingdom. But while we're here, 
we're to be good witnesses, we're to be law-abiding citizens. So notice it says, um, verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Notice in that second sentence, Paul's really emphasizing it twice. He's saying no authority except from God. All authorities are appointed by God. Just trying to be perfectly clear. And so every soul, every Christian, you need to be subject to the governing authorities. You are not the exception. It's every soul. You might say, oh, no, God spoke to me and said, you know, I don't have to uh, pay taxes or I don't have to obey the laws because they're ungodly. You know, the government's ungodly, so I don't have to obey the laws. Well, Paul's writing to Christians who are under very ungodly government, right? Uh, the Roman the Roman government, they were, they were not righteous people. But Paul is saying you need to understand that God appointed this person. So isn't, I mean, it raises a lot of questions, right? I mean, he appointed Nero. This guy was weird. He was crazy. God appointed him? Or, you know, think about it in our times. You know, God appointed, I'm going to get a little political today. I'm sorry, but, you know, and I'll give reasons for it. But, you know, God appointed Barack Obama, who believe okay, so just take one subject, uh, abortion. You know, you're okay with abortion? You're okay with late-term abortion? Really? That's a problem, you know? And But we as Christians can say, well, what happened? Why would God allow that? Well, I think sometimes God appoints leaders for, for a judgment, for a wake-up call. Look, maybe Christians aren't praying as they ought to. Maybe Christians have gone asleep. Um... Maybe the Lord sees the country slipping away into immorality, and he says, look, this is the kind of leader you want? Okay, we'll see how you do with that. Uh, you know, think about the, the nation of Israel. They wanted a king, and Paul said, okay, you want a king? I, I really don't want you to have a king, but I'd rather have you just be led by me. But you want a king? Okay, how about Saul? He's a nice worldly guy. You want a king like all the other nations? Here's Saul. See how you do. And it didn't turn out well, did it, with, with Saul? So, again, the, it's, it's somewhat of a tricky subject, isn't it? Because we, to just say, well, wait a minute, God appointed, he appoints every authority, and there's no authority except from God. But you got to look a little deeper into it and, and, and look at the Scripture as a whole to understand, you know, what, what God is doing. You know, I, I just wonder with this, this last election, a lot of Christians began to pray when they saw the last administration, again, you know, for abortion, uh, really glorifying sin uh, in terms of, you know, you can see a, a rainbow on, on the White House. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but they fla actually flashed a, a rainbow across, you know, to celebrate gay rights. And, you know, Christians, we don't hate gays, but we don't think you should celebrate sin and, and uh, call what is evil good. And so there, you know, there's a lot of things that as Christians, we, we began to look at this administration and say, man, that just, uh, that just seems like we're going in the wrong direction. And, and I believe Christians began to pray 
and say, Lord, would you save our country? Would you, would you give us a, a someone who would represent, you know, at least conservative, godly values somewhat? Now, you know, honestly, Trump wasn't my first choice, you know, but God, God raises people up. We see that in history and, and uses people. And, and so I believe we're, we're in a battle here politically that we need to continue to pray for uh, our leaders, again, that there would be righteous leaders. You know, I think of the, the Supreme Court justice that was appointed, uh, a man who has very conservative values against abortion. This, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I don't know how a Christian could argue with that. But, um, but, so, but again, we don't talk a lot about politics uh, in our church. Now it's coming up today. I mean, it's, that's the subject of the text is uh, government. So I am going to talk about it some, but we don't really believe that's obviously the ultimate answer. Do we, we believe that the gospel is the answer, but again, it doesn't mean that we're politically passive when, you know, we, we think of past generations who died for the freedoms in our country. And then we look and we see, our freedom slipping away, you know, our religious freedom slipping away, you know, like the government telling you, well, you're a pastor, so you, you have to perform this gay wedding. And you don't think that's coming? You don't think it would have come if another administration had gotten in place? Oh, yeah. And and I don't know how closely you follow the news, but, you know, you own a a bakery and they say you got to you've got to bake this cake for a, a gay wedding, even though that's completely against your conscience. And they find them, they run them out of business. You know, so, again, we're not passive, politically passive. We begin to see these things. But, but as Christians, we understand the greatest power is in prayer, right? Second Chronicles 7, 14, he says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I remember before this last election, I think it was last October, uh, Gateway Church uh, here called a a prayer meeting for the coming election. And I remember sitting in that prayer meeting and thinking, oh man, I'm really discouraged. I don't think, you know, the conservatives are going to win. I just felt really discouraged. My faith was just little, but I still prayed. I showed up, I prayed. I said, this is our only answer. If, 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 anything's going to change. It's going to be because we are praying as God's people. And lo and behold, it is a miracle that I think a lot of people are still shocked, can't believe it happened. And so, but you know what, guys, we need to continue to pray. Again, we think about our forefathers who went to war and died for our freedoms, and we won't even, you know, get up and go to a prayer meeting, or we won't even write our congressmen you know, we, we got to have a little bit of fight in us, you know, but, but again, ultimately the prayer is where the fight is, is going to be won. And I believe that's what happened. I believe a lot of Christians, this last, last election rose up and prayed and we want to continue to pray. We don't want to, you know, fall into uh, complacency and say, Oh, my guy's in office now. I'm, I'm okay. And I wonder if that's what happened. You know, you go back a few administrations with Bush, like, Oh, we got a conservative guy, you know, in office, we're good. Don't let up, man. Keep praying and pray. They make the right decisions, right? And that they, they surround themselves with the right people. So 
I think what Paul, you know, the text is teaching here, be respectful of the authorities. Now, when the last administration won, I wasn't happy with that at all. I was, frankly, kind of depressed way back then, you know, when Obama won. But, oh, he's our president. So I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to be prayerful. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray that... Um, you know, godly policies will, will prevail. And so I think that's the point of this. Uh, well, you look, you know, interesting, you look at verse two, it says, therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I couldn't help, when I was looking at that, I see the word resist three times there. And isn't that what kind of the the Democrats have been their their motto right now, resist? And I thought, okay, well, you know, you could bring judgment on yourself. I'm just saying, there's, a, there's an attitude as Christians we're supposed to have toward government, even if we disagree with them. You know, again, our path isn't to go out and, you know, protest and, and you know, violent protests and things like that. That's what we're seeing right now in, in our country. It's very divided. But I think as a Christian, you know, I, I can't control what other people are doing but I can control my attitude and the way I view things and to really understand passages like this and say, Lord, what is my role? What is my role as a Christian in a government that I, I agree with or I don't agree with? And I think Paul is, is giving us some pretty clear direction here that you're to pray. You're not to, to be in a place of um, you know, resisting the authority that God has put over you. And you also, you know, think about uh, resisting authority in terms of the police, right? We, we're seeing a lot of that in our country, like, the, oh, now the police are the bad guys. Now, again, I think the scripture tells us, hey, these, they're put there by God. Uh, well, as we read down further that, um, you know, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil, uh, they are God's ministers for the good. And so, again, it's an, it's an attitude you have. Now, of course, there's, there's going to be bad apples in the police, and they should, be, they should be dealt with if they break the law, if they you know, abuse someone. Uh, you put it in a court of law, and, uh, and, and you examine the evidence and say if, if this, you know, it was police brutality or whatever, then, then that person should be prosecuted. But as, you know, I think that's a pretty rare thing, I think, as, as a whole most policemen deserve our respect. And again, I think it's a Christian attitude that we're to, to get from the scripture, not to be influenced by the world. So are there times, though, when we should, as believers, um, disobey the authorities? Well, we see in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 27, where the apostles had been preaching the gospel and the authorities uh, arrested them, and uh, they were miraculously, you know, set free. But they were warned by the authorities, you know, do not preach the gospel. And so Acts 5, verse 27 says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, talking about the apostles being set before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. 
But Peter and the other apostles answered, said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So when it comes down to the government trying to tell me something that directly contradicts what God's word says, I have to obey God, right? They were, uh, I'd read, uh, I think it was last year, they were, uh, had passed a law in, in one of the branches of the military saying you could not, you can't evangelize, you, you cannot um, proselytize. And uh, they took it to court and the courts, you know, found for the Christians and said, no, you, you certainly can evangelize. Uh, but there are forces out there trying to stop that. You, you understand that? You know, there, there are forces out there trying to, to stop the Christians from, from speaking. And, you know, if, even if there was a law that said you're not allowed to evangelize in the military, it would be perfectly right for that soldier to continue to evangelize because God's told us to evangelize. And, and that's, again, where we, we're fortunate in our country, right? We're, we're supposed to be, uh, you know, gov- self-governed, right? So it's kind of our fault if we sit by and allow this stuff to happen to us. You know, we can point the finger at all those, those evil generals or people who would pa- try to pass us in the military. But, you know, they're over elected officials, right? Or they're under elected officials, that can in the Congress and administration that can say, hey, no, guys, you you can't do this. So again, we're fortunate to live in a country where we have a voice. Many countries, you don't have a voice. So again, I I read a verse like this and I, my mind starts going a lot of different directions. And, um, you know, in terms of, uh, well, what about the American Revolution? If we're if you live back in that time and there are people saying, hey, we need to break away from England, and then you read a verse like this that says you're, you, you shouldn't resist the governing authorities. So so you think I have the answer to that? Is that what you're waiting for? Is that, no. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated thing, right? I mean, you, you, was America wrong for breaking away from England? You know, I mean, I don't think so. I think you look back historically, you can see, you know, this was a move of God. There was, you know, trying to be governed by this nation across the world and that, you know, colonies had been there for, for so many, um, several hundred years and, uh, realized their values, you know, especially as there were revivals and strong Christianity in, in, in the colonies and realizing, you know, our values conflict with their values and, uh, taxation without representation and all of that. But my point is, it's not always a cut and dry thing, is it? You can't just look at one verse and say, oh, well, you can't, re- you cannot resist the government. Uh, it was clearly a work of God, and that was, you know, an exception uh, to this. Or if you lived, um, you know, you lived in Germany uh, during the time of Hitler, right? It would have been the right thing to rise up against him, right? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, I was watching a video about his life the other day, and he's a man who actually did that and and uh, tried to assassinate Hitler and um, ended up losing his life for it. You know, the, a real hero. So, but man, there's when you're in that culture and you're all your friends and family are saying Heil Hitler," you know, it's it, you're kind of just caught up in this group think, right? It's a really weird thing that can happen. Um, you know, right now we have the the whole controversy of um, you know these monuments 
to the Civil War, right? And again, that's a tough one, right? Um, I hadn't really thought much about it, right? And I'm, I'm starting to think about it and pray about it and, and, and think, you know, um, I'm not going to stand there and defend a, a monument, you know, that to somebody that was in favor of slavery. I don't know. It's a tough one. Maybe move it into a museum or something or put a placard on there saying, hey, we apologize for the, the crimes that we did against the black race and, and kept them in the slavery. I mean, can you see how that would be hurtful to an African-American person? Uh, Willie says no. So, I, okay. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just saying I'm trying to be sensitive to what you know, they're feeling, and I know there's arguments on both sides, but, um, and, you know, maybe you'll leave the church I'll never see you again because you're mad at me. But uh, I'm still trying to think it through myself, but I, I definitely understand how someone could be offended. Now, I don't think you should go out there and, you know, pull it down. Uh, you should be arrested for that. That's not the way we do things in our country, you know, through violence, and and you, you go and you, you talk about it, you vote on it, you, you, you know, you you decide how you think you, you should handle it. but And then again, you know, where you draw the line, you know, Washington and Jefferson, they got to go to because they were slave owners. Um, it's, slavery is a horrible thing. You know, I think as Christians, we, we have to never forget that and um, never want to, you know, defend something or, or rationalize it and say, well, really, what the war really wasn't about slavery, it's about states' rights. It's like, gosh, come on. Think about it. You were enslaving people. You were you were breaking up families and selling them people. You know you can't defend that. You can't defend that. And I I heard even Robert E. Lee said you shouldn't you shouldn't build monuments. You know. So I I to to the Confederacy we need to heal. You know. And it, isn't it interesting? It's like we're still not healed from the Civil War. Isn't this weird? But I think there is something about just saying, hey, we were wrong. We're not going to give any kind of rationalization to what happened there. Uh, we, we were wrong. So anyway, I'm from California. What do I know? You know? So anyway, so verses 3 and 4, for uh, rulers are not a terror to good but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority unafraid of the authority. Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So, you know, you think about, you know, you're, you're speeding down the highway and you, you see that the flashing light in the back. And you're like, oh, I hope that's not for me. And you, you slow the car down. Uh, come on, you've all done that. Um, you, you, um, if you're doing the speed limit, you wouldn't be afraid, right? So, <laughs> no, well, yeah. Depends, what's, depends what city you're driving through. Yeah, well, good. So the, uh, I remember as a young kid, I was a rascal when I was a teenager, you know, ditching school all the time and, um, or doing things I shouldn't be doing. And yeah, every time you'd see a policeman or, um, I remember one time me and my friend were ditching school and walking, walking through the neighborhood and we saw a policeman and we just stopped and turned around and started walking the other way. We're like, oh, we were really cool, you know. So he stopped us like, what are you guys doing, you know. We made up some story, but um, 
yeah, if you're doing the right thing, you don't have to be afraid of authority in general, right, as, as a general rule. So just do what is good, and you'll receive praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. Again, I think that applies like to a policeman or those trying to enforce the laws of the land. They're not the ones making the laws. They're just trying to enforce it the best they can. They're putting their lives on the line every day. Very stressful job. They're going to make mistakes sometimes. We need to pray for them. We need to support the police. So if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So thank God that, you know, we don't live in an anarchy. I mean, you, you look at some countries, or you know, it, it, it's out of control. We have laws and those who enforce the laws and we should be thankful for that. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So again, not just because you think you're going to get caught and busted, but you know, you should look at it and say, well, you know, it's the right thing to do uh, to pay my taxes, right thing to do to uh, go the speed limit. That's what he's saying there. Uh, for, for because of this, you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers at, uh, attending continually to this very thing. And, um, of course, Jesus said that we're to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. They tried to trick Jesus uh, into that. And we'll, we'll just read that story real quick. Uh, Matthew twenty-two fifteen 15 says, uh, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So trying to catch him uh, in his words. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left them and, and went their way. So, you know, Jesus said, the bigger point there, render to God the things that are God's. Uh, yeah, you live in a situation where you need to pay your taxes. But again, we're blessed. We live in a country where we can we can make changes to we uh, as we want uh, through voting, uh, through participating, through prayer, and so you know maybe someday they'll abolish the IRS. You know that that would be my prayer, but uh, go with a flat tax or something. But anyway, so um, that's it. We're through verse seven. So yeah, we're we're just to be good citizens, right? And to uh, pray, participate in prayer, be respectful, and it also gives you a tremendous amount of peace, right? Knowing that real ultimately God's in control, and and we can rest in His control, and we we ultimately look forward to the Lord Jesus Christ coming back, setting up His kingdom here on this earth, which we believe is going to happen soon, right? That's what we're excited about. No more voting. I mean, he's in charge. The ultimate loving Savior 
ruling the earth. So we're going to go ahead and um, open it up to a time of ministry and ask the Lord to uh, speak through us, speak to us. And, you know, the Lord has given each of us gifts. And some are, you know, many of the gifts we see uh, in Romans, for instance, we just read that a couple weeks ago, uh, the gifts listed in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 14, 12, 13, 14. Uh, a lot of those gifts are spoken gifts that you, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretation, uh, encouragement. See, all those things are, are you're speaking words to some, somebody else, and, and it can make a difference, right? It can, it can be like a turning point in somebody's life. I've had like prophecies spoken over me where uh, like it was major direction in my life or maybe a time I was really hurting and um, somebody will, I've had several people like almost like look right into my heart and say, wow, you're really hurting, but God's going to bring you through this pretty soon. And, um, and it made a big difference in my life. So, so let's pray. Lord, just speak through us. Lord, give us words of encouragement. We, we really value, Lord, the gifts you've given in the body. And Lord, especially when we sense you stirring us to speak something to somebody, we know that it's not us. Maybe we don't even want to do it, Lord, because we're embarrassed to speak in front of a crowd, but we sense the Holy Spirit giving us a, a phrase, a verse, something for, for maybe the body, the whole body, or maybe a, a person were to pray for. But that's very powerful, Lord, and we believe you do that, Lord. And we, we want to be sensitive to that, Lord. And uh, you said that we're to desire that we would prophesy and we're not to despise prophecy. And Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for your gifts. We believe it's an important part of growing as Christians that we uh, are willing to receive spoken gifts into our lives and we're willing to uh, speak out and, and uh, give them to others. So Lord, we just want to give this next uh, 15 minutes, Lord, 10, 15 minutes to that. And uh, we just trust, Lord, that you're going to stir the hearts of your people and, and encourage your people, Lord, in Jesus' name.